Hey, I'm Stan Stonecker, and we are here on the first day of the Hub Culture Innovation Campus, coming to you from Kauai in Hawaii. Joining me now is Mason Chalk, who is the county council member for the county of Kauai. Welcome, Mason, to our virtual innovation campus this year. Thanks, Dan. Honored to be your first uh, participant or uh, guinea pig on this. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, we've got three weeks of activities planned here in Kauai, everything from co-working sessions outside down in Hanalei to surf Saturdays where people can go surfing together and talk about artificial intelligence, all the way down to uh, visits to the horticulture and botanical gardens around the island, as well as trail hikes and discussions. But there's also a lot of discussion about the kind of concept of innovation and how Kauai is and can be innovative in the form of resilience. So the theme of this year's innovation campus is the resilient reformation and the idea that Kauai can be an example of resilience. So you're so embedded in the culture and the life of Kauai. Can you tell us from your perspective a little bit about how you see Kauai as an example for resilience? Well, thanks, Dan. But, you know, I love that, that the theme is resilience because it's not only, you know, important for our, the time that we're in, in this, in this era of COVID-19, but I think it also represents who we are on this island. And we've got a, a, a deep history about how we are, we've been, we come from uh, you know, ancestors who were uh, self-subsistent, um, who knew how to sort of integrate and find balance in a way that, that uh, all people were able to thrive from. And so I think for me, that's really, really the philosophy and the set of values that I, I stand for. And I try and integrate that, of course, not only in my own life, but in all the work that I've done uh, over the years. And so there's a lot of lessons, I think, that can be taken for how to be more sustainable. But, uh, you know, with, with resiliency and trying to define the resiliency, how do, how do you actually apply that in the most dire straits? And how do we kind of switch that crisis into opportunity in order for us to thrive from? And so I, I see a lot of our past history um, from our host culture, being able to inter be integrated uh, on a level, but certainly taking it into the 21st century, how can we expand upon that so that it's accessible to every single person on the island? And it also emulates, again, the values that we talked about. So, uh, you know, I, I always say that Koi is sort of, uh, we're the smallest of the islands in, in the Hawaii chain, but we're, and, and, and of course, in the, the middle of the Pacific, but we can also, because of our size, we can sort of be a model for the rest of the world uh, of sustainability and, and resilience. And so, you know, my, a lot of my work has been focused on sort of how do we build resilient people? I've been focused on building human capital in this arena through leadership development. But particularly to what the needs are right now, I mean, we need self-directed individuals, right, who can think on their feet, look, look for whatever's out there in the world and be able to bring it home and apply it in the same way. So the set of values need to be set up properly, but also always looking for innovation, always looking for the small wins towards building creativity around us. And those are just basic, you know, in my opinion, basic uh, principles of leadership, good leadership. Yeah. Well, you know, Kauai, like all the Hawaiian islands, has had a kind of a blessing in, in a way, because it, compared to the rest of the United States, it's been a little bit isolated from the health consequences of COVID so far but not 
isolated at all from the economic consequences. Tourism has obviously been very affected and the, the whole lifeblood of hospitality of Aloha here in Kauai has been um, really impacted by, by the pandemic. And of course that then is having a huge impact on the local lives and, and the capability for people to earn money on, on the island. So this idea of like looking to the roots and to the past of Kauai's history for some lessons in resilience seems to make sense to me. How do you see the island evolving toward the future in this new world? And what does it mean like if you're on the ground and you're living here in Kauai, how, does it, how do you take these things into more a practical view? Well, you know, I always start with, we have to honor self first. We have to actually build a good foundation for ourselves first. That means we need to be able to take care of ourselves, right? And that means not only from the health standpoint, the mental uh, or emotional needs, the social needs uh, from an island and the, and the families that live on this island, but also how do we build that for the visitors? Because we're still a, very much a visitors industry uh, based industry here. And I don't see that really moving too far away, but I think what, it, what it's done is it's shifted sort of like, how do we make sure that we are self-sufficient from a food sustainability standpoint? How do we ensure that our waste, our water, all of the, the necessities that we need for life are handled first, right? Because it's becoming very clear, right? Wow, we might have taken this for granted or that for granted. So how do we ensure that we can get those things done? And again, I'll just go back to examples from our ancestors. So whether it's the rest restoration of a fish farm, an ancient fish farm that we have sort of decommissioned and not utilized for many generations now, it's time for us to look at those resources. And from there, we start to develop this relationship to the place that we come from. And Aina, well, Aloha Aina is such a big part of what that is, right? Our connectivity to that in order to live in harmony with it. And I think once we can accomplish that more successfully, and I think we're on our way and we have a good chance right now, but then we can really look towards the world and see how it is we can open up and connect to the world. Because, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the experience that people have had throughout COVID-19, uh, which is, wow, no more visitors, no more traffic, no more over our capacity, so to speak, because that's sort of the direction that we were headed on uh, as an island. And so now I think it's a chance for us to say, well, maybe we want to, you know, when we open back up, we want less rental cars on the island. Maybe we want to establish more shuttles. It's better for us, better for our roads, better for greenhouse gases in, in, in general. Right. And now for us to be able to do that uh, is really is really where we're thinking, you know, or I'm thinking about what the future looks like. Certainly, you know, from a health standpoint, my perspective is if we can become the safest place, the safest destination, then people will come back. Right. And I think it behooves us as leaders and, and everyone on this island to remain vis vigilant, ensure that the numbers are, are low and the lowest that it can possibly be. Right so that people stop fearing travel. Once people stop fearing travel and see that there's process in place and, and ways to manage uh, this health crisis, they're gonna feel more comfortable coming back. From, again, from the inside, personally, how we prepare for it coming uh, in the next few years, but also the management uh, needs uh, you know, in the system that needs to be in place in order to get there, I think are all connected and need to be uh, invested in at this time. So, you know, Kauai is extraordinarily blessed in terms of its natural beauty, its natural resources, and it is one of probably the few places in the world that feels like it could almost be self-sufficient from a food standpoint. And you mentioned thinking about 
food security and, and food sustainability a minute ago. I'm curious about how you could see Kauai becoming an example for this idea. And are there any specific things that are happening around the island that point toward that kind of a future? Sure. I think we've actually thought about it a lot in the last few generations. We've talked about it certainly a lot. Uh, and now it's time to get to action. And there are some examples that really have started to take seed over the last 10 years or so. Uh, the Wipeout Foundation for me is where I started really looking at how to do that. How do we go back to the land? How do we in, you know, um, have that relationship with the land? How do we increase local farming, right? But since then, we've seen uh, Kupu or Kilauea, the ag park and the incubation uh, of ag farming and, and local farmers, as well as common ground in Kilauea as well, right, with their uh, food innovation center. So I think that there are examples out there that we can not only take from the, again, from the ancient thoughts, uh, you know, whether it's raising kalo, you know, or again, raising fish or any other uh, aquaculture or agriculture, and then transitioning it into the future. And I think that that can be coupled again with innovation in a way that gets it into the user's hands. I think for a large, to a large extent, very simplistic needs uh, need to be met. Housing for farmers absolutely needs to be one of those areas of, of focus because our farmers need to be accessible to their land on an almost 24-hour basis, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then also distribution. So processing, storage, distribution, all of these things are important because really we're trying to take care of ourselves and who needs to help the most? Well, our, our keiki, of course, right? And our kupuna, our elders. So I, I really saw, you know, like even with, with, when, when this uh, pandemic started, was, well, we're gonna close down the, the farmer's market. Everybody got a social distance. We can't be next to each other. So how are we gonna get the produce out to everyone? And, and so the, the ramping up of the, the kupuna care boxes, the translating that into the restaurants, making meals for kupuna and for families has really been my focus. And I think that if we can start to put those pieces together so that there's a continuum from the farm to the table, right? Uh, and I mean, not just, on the restaurant level, right? But to actual families' tables, then we're really gonna be successful. And I think that's, again, taking care of ourselves first. So that's where I'd like to see uh, focus in the next uh, few years. Well, it sounds really interesting because it seems like you're thinking of the network of the island, first and foremost. And I think maybe conceptually, it's a little bit easier to think of a network here because we are bordered on all these sides by ocean and you can kind of, see the points of the supply chain, so to speak, from food um, more clearly here than you can maybe in a much bigger system like the mainland of the United States or really any other country. Do you think this idea of the network of trying to link these groups together, like you mentioned linking the farmers to the restaurants, the restaurants to the families, how are you guys doing that? Like what's happening in terms of the background for the actual hard work of making those connections? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's an ongoing, you know, sort of like dynamic movement because we're still learning so much about what those needs are. Um, one of the ways, at least from my seat, you know, is to ensure that the funding that helps us survive during this time is directed towards that exploration, right? So the CARES Act fund comes through us. We're ensuring that we get it to the organizations. We decided uh, as a county to get it into the hands of our organizations. One through uh, Rise to Work, right? Our, it's like a CCC, the Civilian Conservation Corps, right? To kind of ramp up their capacity, but also to, to look at how do we now plan for the future and connectivities and the needs that we're starting to emerge 
Um, there's a lot more work to be done. You know, I'm already looking past the CARES Act fund and, and seeing, you know, what can we do uh, from a systemic level to get the state uh, of Hawaii and our legislatures as we move into the next session to really connect those pieces with us. So we think that, you know, our experiences here on Kauai and certainly on the local level, you know, working in the trenches with our farmers and seeing what the people's needs are is going to be really important information to our state uh, leaders because they're the ones who are going to help navigate it come January when, when we open session once again. Right. Now, this is obviously an election year. Kauai, I think, has been more successful than a lot of places in its capability to protect nature. Like, it's a beautiful place. It's got enormous resources from a natural perspective. And what's amazing about Kauai is that those resources feel like they've been very well protected. You know, you, there are many areas on the island that are natural, like wilderness areas. Development has been done in such a way that it seems to be fairly less impactful than in a lot of other places in the world that everyone wants to see or visit. So I'm curious, how is Kauai and all of your other government officials who work with you, your colleagues on both sides of the aisle, how are you guys working to make the protection of nature post-political? Because it seems like, especially in the United States, we're seeing this drive towards everything being politicized. And there are some things that maybe would benefit from being not politicized. And one of them seems to be like the protection of our environment and the protection of our natural resources. So I'm curious, how has Kauai cracked that? Because it seems unusual to me that you guys have been able to be successful in that area. Well, you're very kind. I, I wouldn't go as far as saying, you know, we've been completely successful. Uh, we, we certainly have had our, you know, challenges, our, our, our roadblocks. Uh, it, it, I think inherently, though, you know, not only our Native Hawaiians or Kanaka, but also those migrants who have come uh, over generations have really embraced sort of that ideal of Aloha uh, and so it's embedded somewhat into the mentality. Um, how we translate that, I think, in sort of a system that is, and I have no, no problems with capitalism, I just, you know, I think to find the balance between everything um, is really key. And so that, that to me requires sort of this ability to, to uh, make mistakes and, and shift, right? So, and we've done many, made many mistakes. Uh, I think it's how leaders can adapt to those mistakes and say, okay, well, that didn't work. Uh, we shouldn't do it that way quite, you know, it, it's not good for us. I'm not healthy. It's not good for the environment. And let's see what else is out there. Uh, and so I like to say, you know, we should be as leaders embracing making mistakes as much as possible so that we can get the best solutions. I think that's the only way you really get connected uh, on, on the levels that we're trying to achieve. Uh, that being said, you know, I think that, again, being a, a small island has forced us to be look at our surroundings forced us to look at uh, the fact that we have finite resources here. And with the, the you know, with global warming and, and climate change, uh, it is very evident. If you live here, you have seen the changes. And um, unlike many other places around the world, uh, maybe not so much anymore, I mean, we have seen our share of uh, weather catastrophe, right? I mean, we've gone through multiple hurricanes. We had, you know, 50 inches of a rain bomb in 2018. Uh, we have COVID-19 and we have a hurricane upon us at the same time, you know, so, so we, we're no strangers to this kind of adversity. And so it has forced us to have this sort of relationship and understanding of our surroundings. That's not always translated well, I think, from a policy standpoint. And certainly if it was my, you know, my records, I, I'd get it out of politics because 
that's kind of where it gets convoluted. You know, there are interests like the one of the great things I think happened in the last few months is we put together a strategic team called the Kauai Economic Strategy Teams uh, and really looked at the priorities. Like, what do we really need here, you know, in order to, to survive, to thrive? And so much of it came up in innovation and sustainability, uh, in education, and all the pieces that I know really move the bar in preserving our, our, our environment. That's just one example. There's the Ainaloha Economic Features Group that when we looked at their priorities are very much in alignment with ours. And so we know that sort of the, the philosophy and the values are there. Again, it's been about how it is we translate that. And so I always say minds need models in order for us to succeed, right? And so how do you bridge again, technology, innovation, to some of these philosophical foundational um, principles that we prescribe to and say we, we want to live. Uh, and that's where we are. We're, we're at the crossroads right now. So it's, to me, in some ways, it's a very exciting time, you know, if we can pull uh, all of the resources and all of the mindsets together around it. Great. Mason, what a fascinating conversation. Thank you for your insights into the evolution that is happening in terms of Kauai's approach to its place in the world and its place to nature and its place to visitors um, in the context of a really rapidly evolving year. I mean, I don't think anybody could have expected 2020 to turn out as it has so far, but, you know, this idea of a resilient reformation um, it certainly feels applicable to Kauai and it feels applicable to the people and the kind of new futures that we want to create here. So thank you for giving us some insight into that vision and, and how you see that. Um, before we sign off here, can you just give me a quick sentence on how do you see Kauai, you know, five years out from now, when we look back on this, what does it look, what does success look like in this resilient reformation? Oh, that's a good one. For most of the last 10 years, I've been thinking about that. And everything sort of went out the door when this pandemic occurred, right? In response to your question, I think that it's also sped up that vision that I've had in the past. And that vision is really about connectivity. And I think that so much around the world, we've lost that connectivity, uh, first with our environment and then with ourselves. And so this, this chance that we have in this next few years, three to five years, is really about reconnection. You know, that's first spiritually, of course. And, 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 but then also... From a, from a relationship standpoint, not, not only with our environment, but with the people in our families and our communities. Neighbors, yeah. But it's giving us a chance to do, and we need to embrace it. So I, I believe life will never be the same if people are really paying attention to what's happening in the world and how this is affecting us. The outcome will be that we'll be healthier because of it, because we have recognized some of the needs for us to take a break, to create more space and time for ourselves and for our families. All right, and I, and I hate to be sort of, a carb in this, but in this time of stay home, I have appreciated the chance to reconnect uh, on that level. Now, how do we translate that into a thriving, you know, life for everyone and a life of abundance? It's possible, but we have a lot of work to do. And so I think that it's time to stop talking. It's time to start to do exactly what we're talking about. And that, that's, that's the bottom line. If we expect that change to occur in five years, boy, Gotta get going. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, Mason, thank you. I will let you get back to your work. And thank you for joining us here for the first day of Innovation Campus. Um, our thanks to University of Hawaii, who is broadcasting these on FM radio here in Hawaii. And then for those of you who want to catch more conversations from now until the end of August from Kauai with a wide range of different people, Common Ground, everybody else that we're working with here, 
tune in on iTunes or uh, SoundCloud. Just look for Hub Culture Chronicles. I'm Stan Stalnaker signing off from the Innovation Campus. And thank you again for joining us today, Mason. We'll see you on hopefully a, a nice clean beach very soon. Hang loose. Okay, aloha. Thank you.